0: Welcome to Crop Watch Podcast, a production of Nebraska Extension.
1: Welcome to the Crop Watch Podcast. I am your host, Melissa Bartles, a cropping systems educator with Nebraska Extension. Today, I will be joined by Justin McMecken, and we'll be talking about soybean gallmage. Thank you for joining me today. How are you doing?
0: Oh, pretty good. We're, uh, we're finishing up our season on soybean gulmage. So that's always good to get all the data in on everything.
1: Yes. And this pest has been keeping you and your team busy. That's for sure. So if our listeners that might not know who you are, although I'm pretty sure most people who know about soybean gulmage probably know who you are.
0: Sure. For better or worse, they know who I am. I think most that know me is it's not, not a good thing because they probably had trouble with the insect. But yeah, I have a, a research and extension appointment uh, so my, my appointment is split, 50, uh, 50 and my, my time and extension is spent translating the material that, and information we get from our research plots, which are spread throughout the East central part of the state here, tackling a new insect. And so we're, you know, trying to bring as much of that information up to use as possible to be very challenging with a new insect as as we'll find through the course of our discussion. Nothing is clear cut on this insect in terms of, of what we do. And, and it's hard because I think that's the other thing is it changes each year based on what we learn and how the insect responds to the environmental conditions that are in front of it.
1: Yes. So we talked back at the very beginning of this year about soybean gall midge, but like you said, you guys have been busy, tons of research on soybean gall midge. So what can you share right now that you've learned through your research through 2021 thus far
0: yeah it like you said it was a busy season we tried a, a lot of things i guess first of all and probably most important and what i hear from clientele that they really want to know is more about just the insect itself and one thing that we've learned pretty clearly is that soybean gall midge has a long duration of overwintering emergence and what that means is that it emerges for a long time from last year's soybean field the fields that are all you know ugly looking right now in the season that are being beat up those fields gallmage is going to overwinter in that field and then emerge from there and seek out a new field That, that a duration of emergence from that field is the single most important you know ecological factor for the insect but also in terms of management and Unfortunately, 2021 has told us that uh, soybean gallmage has very long emergence curve. In fact, longer than 2020 or 2019, at, at almost you know around 35 days. And so, anybody who's managed any insect in a an agricultural system knows that uh, over a month of emergence means that uh, this is going to be a challenge. And we we were able to do some other things with ecology. I'd say the other big highlight is how far the insect moves, which is. Uh, you know, requires a little bit of an asterisk on it's the first year and first time we've ever run a study like that. But we put plots all the way out to 500 feet into a field to find out how far the insect could move. And we detected it at 500 feet at the end of June. And what that means is that the overwintering population is capable of moving out to 500 feet and establishing itself. It doesn't mean we're losing yield out there. I think that's important to recognize. But those that venture further out of the field, they're likely to find it. Um, and that will vary depending on the pressure and, and, and what we see. We have a lot of second and third year studies going now. This is the nice part about this insect is people are likely to see some publications this winter that'll help kind of understand what we've been seeing. But I can tell everyone that the year to year variability on this insect in terms of its seasonal larval abundance in soybean plants or its presence in the soil is not entirely consistent temporally or through time over the course of the season. So. In terms of the insect itself, we're still trying to get a handle on it. I, I think we're getting better, but that is something that, that is, is significant. Um, management in 2021 was really interesting because we probably identified the, the single most effective strategy against this insect. And some may be, you know, leaning closer to the speaker to hear exactly what that is. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that it's not going to work for everyone. So. This takes a bit of a classification, but ridge tillage or hilling, probably more accurately named hilling as a strategy or covering the base of soybean plants with soil prior to adults infesting those plants is a very effective tactic uh, against this insect. And and if you're wondering what that looks like, there are pictures on the web and through soybeangomage.org where you can see that. It told us a lot of things. It told us, well, first of all, you can You can really almost eliminate infestation the other thing is is that they are very dependent on the base of soybean stems for their infestation i think we all knew that but but covering them up really showed that uh pretty clearly so that that was an acute strategy that you know was pretty interesting to find and we did all the usuals you know we applied foliars we did seed treatments we did combinations of those we did a germplasm study which i can talk about in a little bit but again, that was probably the most surprising things of 2021 was, was that in the ecology of this insect, learning more about it.
1: Great. talked about how far the insect itself can spread from emergence, but what did we see in Nebraska? How far did this insect spread? Did we add some more counties here in Nebraska? Did we see it spread in other states?
0: Yeah, uh, all of the above, unfortunately. So within Nebraska, we saw an additional eight counties become infested or found presence of larvae on soybean plants. And, and of course, for us in Nebraska, that just means expansion west because all of our eastern uh, side is now covered. So so that's unfortunate. We're finding it in areas where we wouldn't expect to find soybean gallmage because the frequency of soybean acres is getting so low in those areas, it's, it's surprising to find it. We are always increasing our ability probably to find it. In the case this year, we utilized USDA, what's called CropScape, which is a program that tells us the cropping history in an area. And so that allows us to identify corn soybean rotations. And perhaps we're just getting better and better at that. People shouldn't be frustrated with that. The first identification of those counties infest, I think, is important because it tells us whether things build or not. For other states, they all saw expansion with the exception of Missouri. So Iowa saw an additional four counties. Minnesota saw a lot of new counties this year, uh, which was a little bit surprising for all of us, including those in Minnesota. And then South Dakota had a a single county detected. I think uh, they've had some rough years for growing soybeans in South Dakota, uh, some unfavorable weather, and so perhaps that's kept the insect a little bit at bay. With regards to that survey, though, we did see Pretty significant pressure in a lot of the same counties we've been seeing it in. Maybe Butler County, uh, your your county area, going up a, a bit in pressure, which is a little surprising for both the farmers and myself. You know, and now we have studies in that in that area now as well. So some areas are going up, other areas stay consistently low in pressure, and and I think you know we're we have a research project going to try and sort that out or understand that better.
1: Yeah. I had a producer talk to me about soybean gall midge. We're just as frustrated as they are, right? We would love to be able to provide, here's this, this will manage it and make your life just a little bit easier. But unfortunately, research and this pest, it's like a silver bullet and we just don't have one of those yet.
0: Yeah. I, I think every time we feel confident, we, we have this insect do something that shakes our confidence and, and it has done that pretty regularly. In fact, many people who have heard me mention rainfall as an initiation of adult emergence and that after a rainfall event, we tend to see these flushes of emergence. So we, we thought we'd set up projects to understand that. And uh, in fact, we got rainfall and, and it simply stopped emerging near opposite to the previous year. We even had artificial rainfall studies going and, and they don't appear to be showing any significant, you know, responses that we would have expected. So all of these things that, you know, kind of become almost fact for all of us as we try and understand the insect get get shooken up every once in a while. And so I think people should be, you know, listening and trying to understand, but a little bit cautious and taking things as as solid fact until we get a couple years under our belt.
1: So what is your recommendation for those producers that have seen a pretty heavy infestation of soybean gall midge this year? So we're moving into harvest very quickly. Our crops are turning. Do you have any recommendations? And then what do I need to be thinking about for 2022 for growing season? And
0: Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the the fact that you reference those that have severe pressure, because that's really the only ones that need to consider management at the moment. Those others in those lower, you know, presence categories or a few dead plants here or there, I've never really saw a lot of yield loss. I think those people have the luxury of, of kind of waiting this out a little bit and hopefully pressure doesn't build anymore. But for those that have seen and had significant pressure, I, I think they have a couple options in front of them right now. They might want to consider those fields that have significant injury as a priority for harvest, at least for the field edge. This insect is kind of like Decty stem borer, which some may be familiar with. It weakens the base of the plant and as a result wind close to harvest can cause plants to lodge and so that can cause increased uh, yield loss. The insect has an unfortunate consequence to it. It appears that it causes uneven maturity in those soybeans that are infested and so some of us may be noticing some browning or plants that are maturing quite a bit ahead of the rest of the crop, and that can cause a bit of a headache. So that, that might be something where those severe fields can maybe be harvested a little bit early. Many are probably throwing their hands up at this point in terms of the 2021 season, I think with soybean gallmage. I had a lot of conversations in July about managing the insect. And at that point uh, for us, management was kind of over. And so it's, it's kind of thinking, what does 2022 look like? And i think there are a couple things if if you have a lot of pressure from this insect one thing to consider and that the tactic has not been solid but i think it sets the framework for the amount of pressure you might have with this insect is planting date i know it is an unpopular topic to bring up in terms of insect or disease management because it has a significant agronomic consequence to it when you delay planting but our studies this year and the yields are to come out, but everything right now in the season suggests that delayed planting of soybean uh, is likely going to result in greater yields relative to those early planting. I could be, you know, turned the other way depending on how yields come out, but all of our insect related data shows an increased number of soybean gallmage on those early planted soybean. And so what I've been telling people is, do you want to Battle twenty to thirty larvae per plant, or five to ten, or less than that, depending on how much you want to delay. And that, if anybody's wondering what that transition looks like, it's it's about May fifteenth to May twenty second. We start to go from these really high numbers on soybeans down to these much lower numbers to work with. And and we have small plots, and that can be a bit of a problem because our plots are constantly infested relative to the delayed planting of full field might look like. But there's a there's a tactic there I think that sets some of the season in terms of how we look at 2022. The other thing that that I don't have a clear answer on, but I I think people should really pay attention to is the potential for host plant resistance. We made significant headway in, in this past year with very high pressure at two sites. And as a result, our soybean breeder uh, Dr. George Graff was able to identify what he thinks are maybe some resistant lines. And he thinks and maybe should be emphasized a lot. And George would would emphasize this in all of his conversations with me. There's nothing certain about the response we've seen, uh, but but there's there's a, a degree of hope in there that there is some resistance out there. And that'll go on into 2022. But I can tell growers, I've noticed between the plots we have and what the grower plants, that there's quite a difference between the varieties so there's there's that and hopefully there'll be some guidance on that i think many will make the decision before we we know that you know as far as those acute responses i think that most growers like to hear in terms of insecticide use i think seed treatment may have its place on a given year that'll depend on the planting date and again that delayed planting probably has the best potential those seed treatments we're just asking a lot of them to carry that far into the season Our foliar applications did not do very well this year. Maybe yields will tell us something else, but larval counts did not. But the method of foliar application may matter. If somebody's listening that has 15 inch or seven and a half or drilled beans, they're gonna be pretty annoyed by a lot of this stuff. But essentially uh, using drop nozzles and spraying the base of plants seems to be at least reducing larval number more than spraying over the top and maybe increasing the pressure. And be very careful with the label with all your herbicides if you're you're spraying something in combination that you're not violating the label on, on some other herbicide, but but that may be a potential uh, source for them. But I think whoever is using any one of those tactics should consider management as preventing or reducing the infestation of overwintering adults and not trying to manage soybean gall once it's in soybean. So if that's the advice I could give anybody is think more about prevention. That's how healing works. It's preventing infestation. It's not to our knowledge killing an, you know, the larvae once they're in the plant. Maybe maybe it does. I'd be very surprised if that's the case. But but we're really trying to reduce that infestation as much as we can.
1: Oh, what a frustrating little pest. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was in soybean field where like you said, I have no proof that soybean gallmage was there, but I just know I walked in and I saw down the row, like it must have been a downdraft of wind and snapped about 10 plants off in a row. They were still green and they were just laying over on their side and I'm walking through this plot going, did a deer get in here? What happened to these beans? So very frustrating pest has anybody done any research? Cause I know you work with a variety of other researchers from other States too. You said this pest can actually cause the soybean to mature at different rates.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And certainly amongst our collaborators, we have the most amount of pressure in Nebraska. You know, I think in general, people in Iowa didn't have as big a problems as soybean gallmage. It was present. They've had, they had pretty big problems in 2019, more so than we did. Minnesota has a lot of presence of gallmage, not a lot of problems either. So they're confined to just a few parts of the state. And South Dakota is so spread out that it's hard to, I think, get a good handle on how much pressure is there. But Nebraska consistently has seen uh, pressure. So it's kind of on us, I think, to document those more severe situations, unless the picture changes, which would be unfortunate for those in other states. We have not done a ton of documentation. And I'm thinking about how it would be done, because it is rather tricky to look at that plant-to-plant variability. And like you said, I think, earlier, which which is a really important thing, is... We can document soybean gallmidge earlier in the season into a point in the season to about R7 pretty confidently. And then the larvae disappear and other things come into the system. Um, And so it gets tricky to say, was that plant that is dying early actually have more larvae per plant than, say, another and figure out that relationship? But we do take injury score. And so I think we could probably relate that a little bit, which is just a scoring system to say how many of these plants are are wilting or dead from from, uh, soybean gallmage. But certainly in in infested fields, I have stood there, especially after a a wet morning as things start to dry out and hear pods popping all across the field as a result from what is assumed to be early maturity, because there are green pods on a number of those plants. And, you know, if you kill a bunch of plants around a particular soybean plant, it turns into a small tree. Uh, you know, in terms of trying to compensate, that's great, but it also lengthens its maturity, I think, a little bit in the fact that it has more light and time essentially to develop. And I'm sure uh, others like Jim Speck could tell us you know, more about that relationship in soybeans if it's given adequate space. In time, and that as as we were talking, varies throughout the whole season. I mean, gall midge is constantly moving. The time of infestation, when that occurs, might influence plant death or cease of growth that would cause those neighboring plants to compensate. Uh, so it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting and complex question, and and I think I didn't need to think long and hard about how to answer it correctly. But uh, we use products like Thymet, uh, which many heard from twenty twenty, and seemed like a pretty good tactic for soybean gallmage. it's it's just unfortunate that it's expensive and not everybody has the equipment to apply it but but those types of things might allow us to better understand some of that variability that's that's there and and, uh certainly our spatial study which has thiamid in it uh, might be something to to take a few data points before we harvest
1: yeah and with this pest just because you have infestation doesn't necessarily mean you would see the visual symptoms correct
0: Yeah, soybean gallmidge under under heavy infestation looks like chemical drift, uh, so it, it can look pretty crazy. But under those really low levels, and certainly as we're driving like our identification, say our furthest western county, which was Custer County, pulling up to that field, you would have no idea soybean gallmage was there. And in fact, we searched for a few minutes before we found it. We know exactly where to look for the insect. I think the vast majority of us drive by fields never knowing they're infested, even when it's the farmer's field. And, you know, last year, you couldn't drive through Odor Cass County without finding infested fields. In fact, we tried to find infested fields. And I think that would shock a lot of growers from those counties to know that. They would say, well, my field looked fine. I never noticed any yield loss of any kind. And I would say they're absolutely right. There probably was none. And so, you know, kind of finding when to manage this insect relative to its pressure is not an easy thing.
1: Well, hopefully, like you said, some of those will have some soybeans that might have some natural resistance of some sort. Like we rely on some of our diseases really have to rely on seed selection and being, like you said, vigilant of making sure we just kind of keep track of what fields have what and trying to select our seeds to set us up for success the best we can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, if this host plant resistance thing does come through, I think, I think growers should be prepared to to say this is not a BT situation. So the, the BTs we have in corn where we really don't see the insect, you know, a, a lot of those control, like say, you know, European corn borer, when it appeared, it's pretty hard to find in, in any BT field at this point. Soybean gallmage in that germplasm was, was in 99.9% of plots. So pretty much every single plot really what we were measuring was the level of injury plant injury and so i think even if this comes through growers are going to have to be prepared to walk into fields where they find soybean gallmage and then i think it's our job to tease out if the insect is present the plants aren't dying is there still a measurable yield loss that we need to manage i think at that point we'll all be pretty excited because we'll be taking you know these field edge losses which could be a hundred percent maybe back to five to ten percent you know, or even less. And that scenario will will alleviate, you know, my heart rate as well as everybody else's about managing the insect uh, because it'll allow us to lean in with, you know, a susceptible variety and, and understand those other tactics may or may not be needed. One day they, they likely will be because what we've learned about insects is they adapt to, to what's there. But uh, we can continue to study that and, and growers can continue to produce soybeans in a profitable manner. A lot are. 90, of growers are probably doing that. I think there's a smaller group that's really seeing a significant hit to the point where you have that conversation about whether or not they could grow soybeans. Um, And so we're really trying to help that group out. And I think we're getting there.
1: Great. Well, do you have any programs or articles coming out soon that are related to this topic or have already come out?
0: yeah we put out a uh neb guide for soybean gallmage in in april and so that is a pretty good resource it's a couple pages in length that covers some of the biology and ecology of the insect we have uh, three hours of recordings if you really want to dig into soybean gallmage on the soybean org website Um, and so that would capture a lot of what happened last season and the our group is discussing doing another webinar series for growers and consultants and others to kind of cover 2022. And several articles are currently in motion to to be published mostly on the adult emergence and other things. Those will go into scientific journals, but they'll also roll out, you know, into to other forms as well uh, as they're published. So yeah, there's a, there's a Bunch of resources out there. I, I would say that if you're like, I don't know a specific date and time for an event, that that's that's where soybeangolmage.org is probably most helpful uh, because uh as each state kind of puts in its winter programming and those things come up, we'll provide some links on there for people to join, especially if they're webinar related, which may give people broader access. I, I think everybody in Nebraska would do well to hear from Iowa and Minnesota and South Dakota on what they're seeing as well.
1: Great. And I know you do a great job giving updates on CropWatch too.
0: Yeah, CropWatch is a great place as you mentioned to, to get uh, some of that as well as Twitter, uh, which uh, and Market Journal, all those, those resources are, are good places where, especially if it's a Nebraska related event or, or information that uh, we'll certainly be, um, you know, providing those in there. So there's always plenty of winter meetings that the trouble is getting through all the topics. Uh, we ran 26 field studies this year and to cover all of it we would we would need about three to four hours but we can distill that down for everybody into what was most important Um, and uh, some of those things were just finally solidifying that that it's maybe not a viable tactic uh, which is also really important i think for everybody to know
1: wow well, thank you for joining me today and the producers, thank you for all your team's research on soybean gall midge. And hopefully we can find, like you said, some type of management that'll be viable and work. I hope everyone has a safe harvest.
0: Thank you.